we're all advocates. We're the backbone. We're the backbone of the nation. Show the rest of the world who aren't farmers what it is. What's it, what's it like on a farm? You know, what we do every day. We're feeding the world. It creates a healthy community. So, you know, eat local, buy local, support your local farmers. Welcome back to another episode of The Advocates. In today's episode, Daniel and Wade are joined by Casey Briggs from South Dakota. A 14th generation American, Casey is a wheat farmer who takes pride in the quality of seed wheat they produce. Casey is a co-founder of FBSN and a co-host of the Manure Spreader podcast. Casey, how's it going today? Pretty good. How about you guys? Doing good. Dan, yourself? Doing well. Excited to have Casey on the show. Kind of. Kind of, kind of <laughs> kind setting of. the bar low. Thanks. <laughs> you know, We've had Rob on here, and then all of a sudden we're we're getting with a ginger now. I yeah. don't know. If yeah, we yeah, can do this. Y'all, right, y'all have already peaked, but but thanks for having me on anyway. <laughs> You're welcome. It, it's an honor, Casey. It really is. No matter what I say. About yeah. <laughs> Why don't we start off uh, with with you telling us a little about yourself? Uh, of course, we know. We know a bit about FDSN and all, but tell us just who you are, Casey. Yeah, so, uh, well, I grew up in, uh, so if anybody's familiar with South Dakota, um, the Missouri River kind of cuts us in half. And so I grew up in the western half of the state, what we call West River, and there's sort of a, you know, kind of an unspoken rivalry between East River and West River. And uh, like I said, I grew up West River on my family's ranch. Uh, when I graduated high school, my, my dad kind of, pushed me to get off the ranch a little bit and sort of explore, uh, seek, seek out opportunity, we'll say. And so I happened to know a guy that my dad knew had been out turkey hunting a little bit at my dad's place. And, uh, he lived kind of near a secondary school, like a tech school. So I went to that school and I started working for, uh, Laird, his name's Laird Larson, started working for him part-time, uh, just kind of a seat warmer tractor driver. And here we are, I guess we'll say, 10 years later. Um, I started there when I was eight, or 17, 18, and uh, now I'm 20, 27, going to be 28. Um, I don't know how – I've worked into the operation as a, as a partner. Um, I, I don't know how much we want to talk about that. But, uh, yeah, that's kind of who I am, where I'm at. So I turned in my uh, cowboy hat for a plowboy hat. That's what I like to tell people. Right on. That's my kind of man right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so where'd you grow up, Casey? Well, about about sixty-five miles between between Pierre and uh, Pierre, South Dakota, and, and the Shannon River. So, about sixty-five miles northwest of Pierre, South Dakota. It's quite. It's kind of uh, what you call no man's land. It's quite a ways to nowhere from from where I'm from. Right. Uh, were you home educated like me, or, or did you go? To public school, I'm, I'm kind of curious. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I wasn't. I wasn't very educated, Dan. I was a pretty poor student. Um, <laughs> I come come from a family of teachers. My mom's a teacher. My both or my one grandma was a teacher. All my aunts are teachers. But no, I went to. Uh, I went to. I started out um, kind of at a country school, and then I, I moved on to uh, Fort Pierre, and then I went to. I, I finished my education at uh, Riggs High School in Pierre, South Dakota. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you basically you grew up on a ranch, and uh, you, did you have much agriculture on that side? I know that ranching is agriculture, but more of the plowboy side of it. 
uh, did you have much of that or, or was working for, for who you work now, the first kind of real, uh, farming side of it? Yeah. So we had, uh, so we did a little bit like what you guys do, Dan. Um, so for the first, I don't know how many years of my life, uh, we were summer fallow and then half summer fallow and then half was in crop. We didn't have a lot of farm ground, maybe 1500 acres. And, uh, so, so half of it was summer fallow, some of it went into winter, winter wheat and some of it went into a forage crop. So I had a little bit of experience with some of it, but not like uh, intensive row crop. Uh, I, I wasn't a full-time grain farmer. We'll say that. So what led you into the ag industry, Casey? I, I know you have, I have, you have that blood in you that wants to do, to have the complications to be able to persevere over weather and, and, and commodities and whatever. <laughs> just people as a whole too but uh what led you to that what kind of drives you to to wake up in the morning and go sit on a, a case tractor of all things <laughs> case tractor uh well <laughs> it, 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 it's a couple things so um one of it was op- the biggest thing was opportunity um so what i'm doing now was there was opportunity for me to step into a management position an ownership position a lot of people know that you know, any anybody in the egg industry knows it's it's dang tough to get started right now, um, especially right now with with low commodity prices, uh, high cost of land, high cost of equipment. I mean, there's just so many things. Even inputs are getting a little bit ridiculous. But the the other thing is passion. Um, I I grew up. You know, my my family's been doing it for generations. Uh, my great great grandfather homesteaded our ranch. So it's been it's been in my family for a long time, but I always knew as even as a little kid, I, I always knew that I'd have some role in agriculture. I knew that I'd always be a part of it. I just didn't always know where it would be. And and so like I said, the biggest thing for me was opportunity. There was there was always I guess I've always been looking I've always been looking for an open door, you know, some somewhere to jump in and and uh sort of stake stake a uh stake a claim and uh kind of pursue my own path i guess um i've always been a little bit independent i i think there's a <laughs> we could get really deep here i've always been really independent too and i think that's one of the biggest uh or a key attribute to being a uh, successful in agriculture you've got to be independent you can't, you know, you're always competing against your neighbors, your friends and stuff like that, but you, you got to be independent. You got to be your own person. And, uh, agriculture has allowed me to do that, to be independent, to seek opportunity. Um, and, and there's, I mean, there's nothing better than, you know, sitting in the tractor all day and putting in a good day's work or, you know, spending the day in the shop, wrenching, fixing things. Uh, I've always been kind of a problem solver. I, I, I sort of like that challenge, maybe we'll call it of uh conquering you know conquering something uh be it the weather be it some piece of iron uh it's just you know like you would say if we ran john deere i wouldn't have to worry about fixing anything but um (laughs) running running case equipment you know you got to fix the breakdown and stuff like that there's just there's always been it it, it's I, i don't know if you can i don't know if you can put words to it you know just how it feels to to do that kind of stuff Casey, I've got a question. Um, earlier on, you said that your dad, yeah. I guess, encouraged you um, to, to go out and, and, and learn about other things. Um, was your plan to always mm-hmm. stay away from the farm or from the ranch? Or were, did, early on, did you did you have plans to go back to the family ranch and, and, and help out there where, where the opportunity fit? 
Oh man. So I, uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll answer your question with a story. So recently I had the opportunity to talk to a bunch of uh, students at Lake Area Technical Institute, which is where I went to, uh, further my education, my education. And, uh, I talked to them a lot about seeking opportunity, getting away from the family operation for a year or two, if you if you can do so. You know, I know some people are, are sort of, they play a vital role or a part in, in being part of the family operation. Um, but I always knew that the ranch was going to be there, so that was always kind of my plan B. Um, and my dad always told me that there's a lot of things out there that I'm not going to get to see, get to do. Um, or be a part of if I stayed home. And so when I was, you know, young Casey, 10 years ago, graduating high school, um, I guess I had sort of a rebellious streak in me, Wade. Uh, I, I was going somewhere, be it, you know, be at home or wherever, but I was going to cut my own path. And uh, it was good that my dad and that Laird encouraged me to kind of move along and, and learn some new things. And my dad always said, go somewhere for a year or two, learn something new, bring it home to the operation, justify being here, justify your salary, that kind of stuff, you know? Um, because, and I think a lot of people miss this. I know that staying home and taking over your family operation, it's a great thing. I'm not knocking that by any means, but when you, when you get away from that, you learn how other people do things and you can't, I mean, you can't go to school. You can't buy that kind of knowledge, learn from other uh, agriculturists, other farmers, ranchers, whatever. And so uh, if you'd asked me 10 years ago, are you, are you going to be a grain farmer your whole life? I'd, I don't, I don't know how I would answer that. I, I probably would have said no. Um, because that, you know, running cattle and stuff like that, it's always kind of in your blood, but, yeah, uh, it's, it's, I don't know. You, you got to get out there, you know, you got to get your feet wet. So moving on that, man, that's a great story. I appreciate the just honesty on that. Uh, tell us about the farm. Uh, what, what's it look like? What do you raise? Uh, just, just tell about it. Yeah. So we raise, uh, uh, poverty grass as I call it, which is, uh, uh, spring wheat and winter wheat. Um, we raise both about half and half on our wheat acres. We're about a third, third and a third. Um, we raise corn and soybeans as well. Um, we have a certified seed operation. So, through our land grant university, we raise a lot of foundation varieties, and we uh, we have cleaning mills on their farm. We do custom cleaning, um, so we clean for our neighbors, our customers. We sell seed, our wheat seed off the farm. <clears throat> our corn and beans is all commercial, but um, the wheat thing is is what really uh, I guess that's probably what I'm most passionate about. Is uh, I, I like small grains a lot, and I'm sort of in an area where small grains are going by the wayside. They're becoming more and more obsolete, so. Uh, I guess you could say I've taken it upon myself to advocate a little bit for wheat. Um, I think it gets a bad a bad rep, but yeah, we we pretty much just do that row crops, and uh, we do our own spraying, we do our own fertilizer, and we we're kind of a one stop shop uh, as far as uh, we we don't hire a lot of stuff done. Um, corn, corn and soybeans are fun, but like I said, small grains is kind of where my heart's at. Right on, right and, on. So and and we run red equipment in the good stuff. <laughs> we might have to take that out of the. No, I, I want to ask this. I, you know, Casey, I, I do. I do these podcasts with Dan, and he just brags and brags and brags about the green stuff. So I have to ask, why? Why is the red stuff better than the green stuff? Because I know Dan would never ask that question to anybody. Yeah, uh, there's the I, easy answer. It's not. Okay, sorry. That's yeah, all I have so, to 
So to be to be 100 percent honest with you, Wade, um, I grew up on John Deere equipment. The first combine I ever ran was a 9600 John Deere. You know, I mean, uh, I think one of the first tractors I ever ran was like a 1086 International. I'm I'm not super biased either way. Um, the the biggest reason that we run red equipment is uh, it's it's usually a little bit cheaper or more reasonably priced, and just the biggest reason is dealer service. You know, we've got a good relationship with our, uh, as you Texans would call it, the case house. And uh, <laughs> I, I guess the only thing that I would ever argue with anybody about is after being around the case combine. Um, it'd be it'd be darn tough to get me to uh, switch to any other color. But as far as anything else, whoops. As far as as far as anything else goes, it's uh, I'm kind of up in the air. So you know, if anybody wants to send me a free demo of anything, I'll I'll take it. Hey, same here. I don't discriminate, but I know I know what I bleed in that screen. So Casey, I know one of your main roles on the farm is getting the sprayer stuck. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> tell us a little about about your role on the farm. Uh, just what's what's the day of life of the ginger Casey Briggs look like? <laughs> well, it's uh, it's pretty simple, you know. I'm I'm a lazy grain farmer, so I I uh, I usually leave the house about noon, and uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But so it's it's uh, it's. It's actually pretty bland. So I'm I'm sort of the uh, I'll, I'll say the farm manager, um, director of the farm. I guess you can call me. I, I pretty much handle all the day to day stuff, get equipment ready. Um, as Dan said, I I'm uh, I'm the chief at getting the sprayer stuck. I'm pretty good at that. Uh, <laughs> as far as like financial decisions and marketing, uh, buying new equipment, what we're going to plant where, we, Laird and I make those decisions together. Um, yeah, that's. I guess that's pretty much it. Shop foreman, head shovel guy. Uh, you know, I'm. I mean, I'm down in the trenches, doing the day to day stuff too. So there's no. Uh, there's no. No glamour or anything where I'm at. Casey, farming there in South Dakota. What are What are some of the biggest challenges y'all face? You know, I look at your Instagram and it. It, it looks pretty beautiful out there. Um, so what What are some challenges and adverse, adversities y'all face uh, when trying to farm? Well. Some of the common ones, uh, you know, like we all we all struggle with maybe a little bit of uh, government regulation, uh, marketing. Um, our I think our biggest adversity we've been in a wet cycle, and I know it's a little bit tough to cuss the rain. So uh, you know, like I think it was 2014, uh, we didn't plant any winter wheat because we decided it was just too dry; it wasn't going to germinate. And so we have some pretty pretty wicked weather cycles, but the last two and a half, three years, we've been, we've been swamp farming. And so even right now, 20, 2020 is kind of setting up to be uh, a little bit like 2019, but we've had those years, you know, since 2017, um, land prices are, are big, uh, especially in my area. There's a lot of competition, you know, there's, there's a big difference. A lot of people don't understand the difference between Eastern and Western South Dakota, West, Western South Dakota, Central South Dakota, um, would be a lot like Montana. Uh, land is a little bit cheaper. It's a lot less productive. Um, it doesn't get as much precipitation. Um, you know, like I said, topsoil is not as good. We don't, you don't, you know, there's, there's a hundred bushel difference in corn yields between where I'm at and where I grew up. So my dad, you know, raises a hundred bushel corn and we raised 200 bushel corn. And, and that's a lot of, that's a lot of gross dollars, but 
like I said, I think the biggest thing right now has been weather, land prices, and marketing. Mm-hmm. So, do y'all have any competition when it comes to cleaning seaweed around there? Or is it pretty simple that most people just come to y'all if they need their, their wheat cleaned? Yeah, uh, no, we don't, we don't have much competition. In fact, uh, it gets a little bit less and less every year, and it's kind of sad to see. So, uh, if anybody from this area listens to this, you know, plant more wheat. <laughs> um, no, it's, it's tough. It's tough to pencil any crop out this year. So if you're, you know, put, put some wheat in, give, give us a call, buy some seed, get some wheat cleaned. I mean, there's all that. So no, it's wheat, wheat is really dying up here and it's kind of sad to see. Why do you think that is Casey? Um, okay. Well, a, a couple things. So last year, um, we got burned pretty hard with the weather. Um, a lot of our wheat came out at 56, you know, 56, 58 pound wheat. It had a lot of vomitoxin in it, a lot of scab. Uh-huh. Um, a lot of it, a lot of guys didn't get done combining wheat till September. And, you know, we started on our winter wheat last year, at, uh, end of July. And, and we, we were pretty fortunate. We didn't have a ton of spring wheat in because the spring got so late. So we only had like 200 acres. And uh, we got our wheat done in August, but a lot of guys ran into September, and combine in September wheat is, is absolutely no fun, uh, especially up here. And so I think between that and you couple that with, with market prices right now, I, I just think it's going to be tough for guys to get excited about planting any wheat. Okay, so you mentioned the, the seed production side of things there at the farm, and I'd like to learn a little bit more about that. I, I spent some time in the in the research ag side of things where we grew some grew some drought tolerant corn and, and really worked a lot on that. So t- tell us a little bit about the seed production and how how y'all make that work from start to finish for yourselves and for your customers. Yeah. Okay. So the first thing is, uh, you know, you got to be clean. So we clean our combine a lot, blow it off. Um, trucks got to be clean, all that stuff, but. Uh, it's it's not overly complicated because we do it. So we plant, like I said, public varieties, which would be through our land grant university. So anytime there's a new variety that comes out, so our breeders come out with new spring wheat variety, we get it as foundation seed. Um, we plant it as foundation, we clean it, it then becomes registered seed, and that's how we sell it. So we we're the first farm that gets it, and then we sell it to the next farms that gets it or get it, and. Uh, it's it's really it's really rewarding to know that you had a hand in a lot of the wheat that gets planted in your county or tri county area. Um, it's it's uh, like I said, it's pretty easy. Um, and then you know after it becomes, we'll plant it again one more year as registered seed, then becomes certified. You can certify it one more year, and and uh, then you got to get a new variety or you got to buy more foundation of said variety. Um, but the biggest thing is, you know, South Dakota has a really good wheat breeding program. And uh, it's it's really fun to have that role in keeping that program, I guess, relevant or legitimate. Maybe that's a little bit arrogant to say, but um, and just and just being able to you know help your neighbors out with uh, getting seed, cleaning seed, um, it's and, and just the interaction, the fellowship, the camaraderie of just you know your your neighbors come up and get seed from you, they get seed cleaned from you, and, and you get to talk to them. And, and uh, I, I don't know, it's it's one of the it's probably some of the most rewarding work I've ever done, I guess. It's it's interesting to hear your side of things because you know when I I mentioned I worked in the research side of it, uh, we would we would do yeah single plant corn crosses and and we do them in the greenhouse and we move them to the field on a small scale basis and then we'd plant a half a pivot with 
300 different varieties and we we knew we'd package up all this seed and we just shipped it off somewhere we mm-hmm. never really knew where it went after that so hearing hearing your side of the wheat things um it's interesting to hear and i can only right. imagine the corn stuff being the same yeah yeah and another thing i'll add to it is that uh it gives us a bit of a niche market you know we're able to uh sell our wheat for a couple more dollars a bushel and, and so, uh, sort of help some people out okay Tell me a little bit about the foundation seed. So we plant quite a bit of different, well, I say that, we plant three or four different varieties of seed wheat, and we always have to get the certified, or at least we do, just to save ourselves. But is is there much of a, I mean, there, I know there's not a difference in terms of the plant on the foundation seed versus what you come after, but uh, how all does that work? I'm pretty curious about that. Yeah, so... You know, foundation seed is, is more pure than certified, um, and so you've got to have – so we get – you know, our fields are – the fields that we certify as seed fields get inspected by a third-party inspector. Um, they got to – you know, they got to be uh, – you can't have any weeds in them. They got to be good – you know, good. it's got to be good quality wheat. And so found, foundation comes right from, oh, like the research farms or the breeder farms, stuff like that, and – it's uh oh how do I want to say it? Like I said, it's more pure. Um, you know, every every time you plant a variety or you plant the same variety over and over and over again, it starts to become contaminated. So, mm-hmm. and, and no offense to the average farmer out there, but uh, y'all don't know how to clean your semis out or your combines out. You know, what I mean, like <laughs> you, you're you're allowed a certain tolerance of uh impurities in said seed so every year we plant this variety our fields get inspected we run it through our cleaners we put it in our bin and then we have to send samples down to the lab the seed lab and they get inspected they get germ germ tested all that stuff and then they've got purity tests and stuff like that and you're only allowed a certain tolerance of each and uh so that's that's the biggest thing in seed production is just is cleanliness and impurity and, and uh putting out a good product you know so on average, how often do you have to clean out your machine after cutting whatever variety? Like, how long does it take to do that? Oh man, I can I can clean the combine down, and I, you know, like you cleaning, you, you know, your your idea of cleaning the combine versus mine is a little bit different. I mean, I vacuum out the grain tanks and stuff like that, but uh, I I can clean our combine in about four hours. I can be switched over and ready for a new variety. So it just depends a lot on you know we'll we'll combine our our winter wheat first and then you've got to clean out and then it depends on how many winter wheat and spring wheat varieties we have and we actually used to do soybeans too but they they sort of cut that program at our uh, langer university but um it, it all depends you know there was one year i think we had three or four different varieties so i had to clean the combine you know four times um, um it's i i don't know that that added work and and stuff like that it just it just makes things a little bit more you know rewarding to to do Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. That's neat, Casey. Uh, I love learning about farm. I mean, we're, we're poverty grass growers as well. We definitely would not want to <laughs> grow any seed varieties for, for actual seed production, but it is interesting learning the side of that. And I mean, we've had, mm-hmm. I think we have about 400 bushels of Texas A&M 111 sitting in the grain cart that's been there for about 10 years now. And I, I don't know if, if you'd want to plant that or not, but it's always welcome. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, <laughs> you know, it's probably a lot different than you would think. Um, Casey, you've got quite the farm uh, 
operation in terms of you're, you're working your way up uh, the ladder, if you will. Uh, what does it look like for, from 10 years to now, to you at least? Oh, man, 10 years from now. Uh, you, so you guys want to know about all my uh, my secret goals and my diabolical plan, huh? Uh, yeah, yeah. So we, you know, my, my biggest thing is expansion. Um, you know, we farm, we, we farm about 2,800 acres now. We've, we've been fortunate enough to add on a little bit this year. And, uh, I'd, I'd like to get to about 5,000 acres. Um, and I'd like to continue on with the seed production. I'd like to get more into like full season cover crops and, and growing, uh, cover crop seed cleaning it, selling it, marketing it. And, and one thing that we, you know, we work pretty closely with our extension researchers and our land-grant university. Um, we put on a thing called the Wheat Walk where we try to promote wheat. We try to promote, farm, or, uh, it, you know, kind of convince farmers to grow more wheat. Uh, something that we've done is we've switched over to a earlier maturing soybean so we can get our winter wheat planted in September. Um, we're, we're just trying to be progressive. And I, I think the biggest thing is, you know, you gotta be positive, progressive and just keep pushing on. I guess you call it the three P's. Um, but, but like I said, the biggest thing is expansion and growth and, and the average age, you know, this, this whole farming thing, in my opinion, um, there's going to be less of us and we're going to have to be bigger. We're going to have to cover more acres. We're going to have to be more efficient, more progressive, um, and I, I do really think that at some point the EPA is going to come down on us. We're going to have like, you know, kind of a cookie cutter policy where we've all got to farm a certain way. They're going to tell us how we got to do things. I mean, they already sort of push, push a lot of paper at us anyway, a lot of regulation. And, and I, ultimately we're just going to have to be better at what we do. But, but uh, yeah, growth, growth is the biggest thing. Um, we, we've got to expand. And that's where I think in 10 years, uh, you know, I'm going to have to, at kind of our current rate of growth, uh, I, I, I'd like to be around 35 to 4,000 acres, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. So do you see, I mean, around here, there's there's not a whole lot of young farmers around here. I think I can count five uh, in the general region. Are, is there many young farmers in your area that you can think of, or is it pretty much just all the older farmers uh, trying to trying to figure out what they're going to do with all the land that they've got? Yeah, I, I'd say 50-50, Dan. Um, there's, you know, half of them are 65 with nobody home, and uh, the other half are 65 with uh, with somebody home to take over. And so there's mm-hmm. definitely a lot of opportunity for growth. Um, you and I have talked about that a little bit, where, uh, you know, you gotta you got to take care of your landlords, kind of put yourself out there, uh, make sure people know that you're, you're looking for a little bit more land, looking to expand. Um, I think the hardest thing mm-hmm. is going to be justifying or trying to pencil out how you're going to pay for all this land, you know, because it just keeps going up. Yeah. Even with the markets going down. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. It's uh, it's terrifying. If, if you're looking at it from a young age and, and perhaps even from a first gen, uh, first gener- generation op- farmer operation, there's just, I, I don't see how you can do it without having a, a really good mind of what you're doing, but there's people out there doing it and that's amazing to mm-hmm. me. Mhm. Mhm. Absolutely. I, th- I think you just have to believe in what you do. You know, you got to be passionate and believe in what you're doing. Yeah. Casey, Dan, and I talk a lot about social media and be that Instagram, Facebook, uh, the podcast world, which you've you've got one of yourself and and some buddies that do. Uh, why is it so important? You, you mentioned a community in agriculture. Why is it so important for the 
the ag community on social media to be a to be a tight knit one and the one that looks out for itself. Yeah, well, <laughs> for a lot of reasons actually. Um, so I'll I'll talk a little bit like Dan. Dan followed me. I, I think Dan and I have been following each other for like a year, year and a half now. And I remember when Dan had like a thousand followers, you know. And uh, so he's kind of a big time superstar now. And so oh, yeah, when Dan, sure. <laughs> I used to have a private <laughs> account. And when, when Dan, Dan was like the first person to follow me or request to follow me or something. I don't know who, who I didn't know personally. And I was like, man, this, this guy's kind of weird. You know, what's he doing? And so then I, <laughs> Dan sort of, Dan sort of opened my eyes. This is good, Dan. I promise. Dan sort of opened my eyes to this whole Instagram world or, or egg social media, um, where we can all kind of share in our struggles, share in our successes. And, and that sort of, uh, inspired me and leapfrogged me into wanting to kind of share what we do in South Dakota. So I, I looked around social media a little bit and I couldn't really find any accounts from South Dakota, you know, we're a pretty small, I mean, we're not a small state, but there's, there's not a ton of people up here. And I thought, well, man, I, I sort of got to pursue this a little bit. You know, I got to I got to put South Dakota on the map. And I guess that's kind of been my goal with uh, social media is to um, kind of give us a voice, on, especially on Instagram. Uh, as far as like being a tight knit community, you know, there's you know, there's less than two percent of us in this world or at least in this country who are in agriculture. And, you know, like uh, Rob Sharkey says, there's a small percent of people who are kind of militant anti-agriculture and we don't have to worry about them much but I, I think there's also a really fine line between uh arrogance and, and advocating for what we do and and i want to be that person who who advocates and shows people what we're doing but i'm not standing on my soapbox asking for like self-gratification because i didn't i didn't choose agriculture or excuse me agriculture like i wasn't forced into this into agriculture i chose to be a part of agriculture and and I don't need anybody to tell me that I'm doing my job right or that it, you know nobody needs to thank me for what I do I'm going to do what I do because I love what I do and I think that's important and that's a, a really good positive message to spread to people who aren't in agriculture and, and ignorance is really kind of a rampant disease in this country I mean I'm ignorant to something you're ignorant to something um, and, and people don't you know, I, there, there's a lot of people who don't know where their food comes from. They think it just magically appears in a grocery store. But there's also a lot of people who who are ignorant, but they, they know that they're ignorant and they want to understand agriculture. And I guess that's kind of why I, I decided that, well, maybe I need to grow my Instagram a little bit and try to get my message out there. But the reason I started this, or the reason I shouldn't say I, that's, that's not right. The reason we started our podcast and kind of the uh, FBSM thing is because there's a lot of a lot of struggles and negative things happening in agriculture right now. You know, depressed markets, high inputs, high land costs. Um, it's it's dang tough to pencil anything out to even make 50, you know fifty bucks an acre. And uh, you know, at the end of the day, you want to kick your feet up and laugh about something and, and just spend an hour forgetting about what's going on. I mean, that's that's what we're here for. Right. So you kind of perfect. Uh, explanation there i I love it and i I like to claim a little bit there of of the farmer dan but really it's all on you casey for for setting your instagram up to to where you are now and i mean i think it's amazing that uh y'all got a podcast you're you're chatting with a group of of farmers that 
a lot of times aren't the best behaved, but still at the time you understand that there's <laughs> there's struggles in the farm. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. it, it's tough. And so I appreciate yeah. uh, the willingness to come out and even just, you know, sit around at, at, at in the evening and just talking and bullcrapping with each other on, on uh, recording and, and have fun. Uh, tell us a little mm-hmm. bit about your podcast, Casey. How, how did that get started? And if you don't want to lay claim to that, I totally understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I just want to say one one more thing. You know, I, I did sort of uh, – I guess I owe some Instagram success to the farmer Dan movement. We'll call it. Um, you've, you've given me a lot of shout outs and, and sent a lot of people my way. So I, re- I really do appreciate that. Um, as far as the podcast goes last fall, I think it was or late last summer. I, I just, I learned that you could create a group chat on Instagram. It was just kind of a new thing to me. And so I just kind of randomly selected a diverse group of, of uh, farmers who I thought I could have a, <laughs> this is where I really screwed up. Um, I thought that I could have a intellectual conversation with them. <laughs> and I soon learned that I was very, very wrong. And uh, I think it was Matt McCleary who just kind of said one day that, you know, if we set down a microphone and just recorded what we talked about in the group chat, we could have a whole podcast. And, uh, I was like, all right, I'll, I'll get along with that. I've always kind of wanted to have a podcast. And so we bought microphones and we've all got computers and we just sort of sat down one time and, and recorded our first episode. And it was an absolute dumpster fire, horrible, worst episode, whatever, but, but it worked. And, and it's kind of spiraled and snowballed into this really fun thing that we get to do. You know, um, it's, it's really rewarding for me to, be able to, you know, kind of be the the butt end of the joke. And, and, uh, you know, I've got thick skin, uh, I'm a ginger, I've got no soul. So, I mean, I can, I can handle these things. I got all the punches, you know, there, there's not much that gets me worked up. I'm a pretty laid back guy. And just to be able to, you know, people can make jokes about me, about what we're doing and, and, and just get a laugh out of it. And I think that's the biggest thing, um, mm-hmm. is to be able to make people laugh. You know, that, that means a lot to me. Yeah. I think Rob Sharkey had you on your XM raid on his XM show here a while back, and he, he made a solid point. You know, there's a lot of podcasts out there, just like everyone's opinion, someone's got it. And uh, he makes a point, you know, a, a lot of these guys that come in on the inside of, of social media and, and it's just all inside jokes, it, it doesn't really seem to take off. But, gosh dang it, y'all mm-hmm. have taken it by storm, and all of a sudden – I'm I'm listening to something that I wouldn't have thought I'd be listening to, you know, a year ago. <laughs> but well, it's interesting. It's interesting to me how y'all have used it to not only just you know help other Instagrammers out, uh, hopefully give them a few follows, but also just the stories behind it and still be able to mm-hmm. to laugh and and have fun. And I like that about your show. Yeah, man, it's a uh, it's a good it's a good stress reliever for me, you know, just, you know, we record one, you know, we put out one episode a week, so we record once a week and, um, it's just, it's really fun. I, I mean, I look forward to it. It's something I look forward to doing. It's a good stress relief and it's just fun to get on with the guys and guess a little bit or have somebody on that's, uh, um, you know, kind of a co-host guest and, and, uh, we just, you know, it's just, it's just really fun. I, I love doing it, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's another opportunity and a, and a passion of mine, I guess. 
do you see an opportunity to to maybe do some marketing with the with the podcast? I know you've got ads, but I don't I don't think they're making much money. They're making laughs, but I don't know about yeah. I don't know about money. <laughs> so I'll uh I'll just kind of I'll just kind of let the cat out of the bag. So we got our first real sponsor here. Um, I won't say who it is yet, but we got our first real sponsor, and uh, it's kind of something you guys know too. Starting a podcast, it costs a little money to pay for subscription fees and stuff, and uh, or editing software, and so it, it's just sort of something that'll kind of cover that. A lot of people don't realize what it takes to uh, to start one, and actually, we owe a big a big thank you to Rob Sharkey. Uh, he's been a he's been a lot of help in getting us kind of getting us going, and and yeah, I, I was on Rob's XM show. Um, I, I feel like he was sort of he was pretty desperate that day um, <laughs> to message me and ask me if he wanted to be on the show. You know, I mean, he, twice. Uh, four or he five times. on there too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But no, it's just, it's really fun to be able to connect with people all across the world. Um, you know, I mean, I, I even use Google translate to talk to people from South America. Um, it's, it's, it's just so cool to be able to connect like that. Like the world has gotten so small in a way with social media and, and we can really use it as a tool as, as agriculturalists to, you know, seek opportunity to market, to uh, maybe have a little bit of a secondary income. I mean, there's so many things you can do with it. If you just, if you put in the time, you know, and I, I probably spend too much time on Instagram, but I mean, Hey, I'm, I'm pretty good at, uh, I'm pretty good at doing things one hand and now, you know, one, one hand has got my phone in it and I'm, I'm Instagramming it, the other hand's working. So yeah, uh, I, I'll go with you on that for sure. Okay, so we want to move into a, a new segment we've added to the show here the last couple of weeks that we call, uh, well, we say that we don't have a name for it yet. Um, but we're going to ask you some some random questions. Um, some are funny. Yeah. Maybe one of them or mm-hmm. two of them are serious. But we just, just give us an answer, first thing that comes to mind, and maybe some background on that, that answer. Uh, the first question I've got for you, what is your, your current favorite social media follow? Current? Oh man! So we got you now. The mil- yeah. So actually, I'll just say uh, the millennial farmer followed me the other day, um, and I think that's pretty cool. So that is as far cool. as background goes, I he I don't know if it was just a random follow or if he was desperate to get his follower count up or or what. But uh, yeah, he followed me the other day, and and uh, I've I'm sort of. I'm sort of uh, maybe scared scared to reach out to him. I don't know if I should thank him or <laughs> what I should do. But yeah, that's that's probably that's probably the, the coolest one right now. Dan, who's yours? That's I'm awesome. curious. Uh, you know, hold on, let me look at the Instagram. I, I think Wooden Farms. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it right or not, but uh, Wooden Farms. Uh, Ellie, Emil. Wooden, I think is his name. Uh, lots of John Deere stuff. Lots of co- lots of cool Bible verses. Lots of cool guns. Uh, that's my favorite part. He always shows some of his ARs and everything on there. That's that's my favorite. What about you, Wade? Waterburger follows me. That's it. What? <laughs> that's it, <Okay>. right? <laughs> End of episode. <laughs> oh man, there's, that's, that's there's nothing better than that, right? <laughs> No, that's awesome. I think I have uh, the Blue Guy restaurant following me. Who are they? But anyway, uh, on to the, the questions here. Casey, if you could have dinner with three people, living or dead, who would they be? 
Oh man, three people living or dead. All right, so oh, that's a tough one. I hope I don't offend anybody. So living or dead, I'm gonna go with Bushel Billy, um, Gabe Gabe Neal. <laughs> Sounds like interesting right there. Oh man, and I'm I'm gonna have to go with old uh, James Longstreet, General General James Longstreet from from Virginia, the Civil War. Right on, right on. I like yes. it. I don't know about that Gab Gab Neal guy. He's he's a bit strange. Your mail. We we can we can go with that, I guess, for now. Um, next question: um, is, is a hot dog a sandwich? Wow, we're getting we're getting deep here. We're learning hey. we're learning tonight. Yeah, yeah. Gosh, you guys should have told me to kind of up my uh, IQ here. Is a hot dog a sandwich? <laughs> no, it's not. Why? Because it's a hot dog. What, what, like, what defines a sandwich, though? Well, see, a hot dog. You put the you know you put the hot dog in a what what they would call a hot dog bun. Where you know that's more mm-hmm. what like. Uh, that's more horizontal, where a sandwich is more vertical. You know, the bread's on top and bottom. Mm-hmm. That's my answer. <laughs> Can I find right. a friend? Or we'll go with no. that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, we'll we'll decide afterwards. <laughs> uh, Casey, I know for a fact that you read a ton of books. Uh, tell me one of your favorite books that you've read recently. My absolute favorite that I've read, like, like just like in the last six months, or, or just whenever, honestly, if you want to go for all top. All right, I'm going to give you two. My one of my favorite books that I've ever read is uh, General Longstreet's biography. Uh, one that I've read recently is called uh, "Folks, This Ain't Normal" by Joel Salatin, and uh, it's a pretty good agriculture book about all the things that we do wrong. Right on. Uh, Casey, thank you for being on our show. Uh, I mean, you, you might say that I helped you out, but you've helped me out with followers as well. I didn't get to say that a while back when, when you, when you said that about me, but you know, I, in terms of social media, it's, it's fun to help everyone out. I mean, uh, yeah. shout outs can get old, but at the same time, you never know if, if someone's going to get some extra followers and that some extra person might need to hear that story or, or whatever. And so it's, it's cool to reach yeah. out to, to Instagram side of it all. Uh, Casey, well, I want to thank you for being on our show. Uh, again, uh, finish off with telling us some of your final thoughts about agriculture. All right. So I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to veer off a little bit. So the first one is, uh, as far as social media goes, I know it's tough to keep up. Sometimes I can't always get back to all my DMS, um, I probably get, you know, I know you get more than I do 20, 30, 40 a day, but sometimes you never, you know, just a simple hi or a smiley face or just acknowledging the fact that you got a message could make somebody's day. You could save a life. I mean, there's so many things that we could talk about there. Um, as far as agriculture goes, keep your chins up, be positive, believe in what you're doing, have a, have a plan, set some goals. 
um, and, and pay it forward. Like that's the biggest thing. Like, you know, most of us wouldn't have our start in agriculture if it wasn't for somebody else who'd already been established. And that's the biggest thing for me. Um, I'm a partner in operation. That's not even my family's. I got my start because of somebody who, who believed in me more than I believed in myself. And so believe in what you do. Um, and just like, get after it, be progressive. Like, don't be afraid of change, you know, take a risk, roll the dice, uh, just, and, and be good to people. That's that's you know that's another thing too. Just compassion goes a long ways. Casey, thanks for coming on with us tonight. Before we close this out, uh, let everybody know where they can find you on social media. Yeah, or so at yeah, <laughs> the dumpster fire um, at Briggsy one nine nine two. So that's just my last name and then a C. So B R I G G S C one nine nine two. You can also find us uh, on Spotify, Apple, and Castbox. Some manure spreader podcast or the Farmers BS Network. And I gr- sure appreciate being on your guys' show. So it's it's been fun. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for coming on, Casey. Sure appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Advocates. Be sure and check out our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages to see who we'll feature next. On behalf of Dan, I'm Wade. We'll see you next time.